This is CPX number 46, Hallowed Be Thy Name. We are in prayer part 4 in the Catechism of Pope St. Pius X, CPX, page 49. Question and answer, just number 11 to 14. God give you his peace. Let's begin in prayer. Nomine Patris, Fidei, Spiritus Sancti, Amen. Heavenly King, Consoler Spirit, Spirit of Truth, who art present everywhere and filling all things, treasure of all good and source of all life, come dwell in us, cleanse us and save us, you who are all good, Amen. In nomine Patris, Fidei, Spiritus Sancti, Amen. The first petition of the Our Father, number 11, what do we ask in the first petition when we say, Hallowed be thy name? Answer, in the first petition, Hallowed be thy name, we ask that God may be known, loved, honored, and served by the whole world and by ourselves in particular. Number 12, what do we intend when we ask that God may be known, loved, honored, and served by the whole world? Answer, we intend to beg that infidels may come to the knowledge of the Lord God, that heretics may recognize their errors, that schismatics may return to the unity of the church, that sinners may repent, and that the just may persevere in well-doing. Number 13. Why do we first of all ask that the name of God may be sanctified? Answer. We first of all ask that the name of God may be sanctified because the glory of God should be nearer our hearts than all other goods and interests. Number 14, how can we promote the glory of God? Answer, we can promote the glory of God by prayer, by good example, and by directing to Him all our thoughts, affections, and actions. Thus are the words of the Holy Pope. Okay, so just a quick announcement. If you're new, subscribing to my channel. My suggestion on the VLX, which is my scripture series, and CPX, the Catechism series, is just to jump in where we are right now. That's number 46 on both, and then you can catch up on my backlog ones later. So welcome to new subscribers. Had a few people jump in after my interview with Father James Altman. Now what I usually do is read a small section of the CPX, hence Catechism of Pope St. Pius X, and then I give you either my thoughts or more likely a further elaboration of what the Church teaches on just a couple points from the CPX. Today what I find most amazing is number 12. Listen again. Quote, number 12, what do we intend when we ask God that he may be known, loved, honored, and served by the whole world? Answer, we intend to beg that infidels may come to the knowledge of the Lord God, that heretics may recognize their errors, that schismatics may return to the unity of the church, that sinners may repent, and that the just may persevere in well-doing. Let me just define a few of those before we continue on. Infidels, that is non-Christians. Usually that's a term that we use to refer to Muslims and Jews. And again, we pray that they come to the knowledge of the Lord God. The next group in there was heretics. That's primarily Protestants. And then the next group is schismatics. That's primarily the Eastern Orthodox. So even if you look in a National Geographic, even though Protestants don't like to be called Protestants, if you look in even National Geographic or even secular sources, under the aegis of Christianity, there's three major branches. Catholicism, which includes the Eastern churches, did a CPX on that. Protestants, which broke off in the 15th century. And the Orthodox, which schismed in the 11th century. They claim we schism, but we don't have time to get into that right now. So three major branches of Christianity. And so who the Pope is praying for is actually all three, because we're going to talk about sinners returning to the church at the end there. St. Thomas Aquinas actually holds that a sinner isn't just someone like you and me who has sinned, but those who are persisting in mortal sin. So we pray for those who are Catholic to return to confession. We pray for infidels who are Jews and Muslims to enter the Catholic Church via baptism. And they're obviously not under this aegis of Christianity. But then the other two groups of Christianity we pray for in that very beginning part, that heretics may recognize their errors, that's Protestants, and that schismatics, that is the Eastern Orthodox, may return to the unity of the Church. Let's look at all this a little bit deeper. 
God is glorified first in our lives by what we heard in number 14, where Pope St. Pius X says, We can promote the glory of God by prayer, by good example, and by directing to Him all our thoughts, affections, and actions. This is obviously the first great commandment, to love the Lord your God with your whole heart, soul, strength, and mind. But what is amazing is that if we do this, this overflows onto the second great commandment, love of others. And what is the best way to love others? The salvation of their souls. God is glorified in this. Now, how is God glorified? First, probably in God's Trinitarian contemplation of himself, which is tied to the passion of his son lived in the Holy Mass, and this is tied to the holiness of the saints. All of this gives glory to God, and this is tied to the salvation of souls, which gives glory to God. And that is exactly why Pope St. Pius X said at the first part of today's Our Father, that hallowed be thy name is lived out in this, quote, that infidels may come to the knowledge of the Lord God, that heretics may recognize their errors, that schismatics may return to the unity of the church, that sinners may repent, and that the just may persevere in well-doing, end quote. So those last two groups refer to those within the Catholic Church. The middle two groups refer to those outside the Catholic Church but baptized, namely Protestants and Orthodox. And the first in that petition, the infidels, refers to Jews and Muslims. But really, how many times have you prayed, hallowed be thy name, and thought at, say, that moment of Muslims becoming Catholic? For me, never. But that is what the Pope says is the first thing in asking, hallowed be thy name. Because that petition is lived out first again in that God be loved, honored, and served by the whole world. And from that, he means the salvation of souls, especially those most in need of his mercy, as we hear in Fatima. You know, by the way, in my interview with Father James Altman, when I said Muslims will kiss your hand till they can cut it off, I didn't get any negative comments from people, but I still want to explain what I meant by that. To kiss your hand until they can cut it off is probably not the personal philosophy of many Muslims. But Muslim law calls for Muslims to get along very, very nicely in any society when they're in the minority until they have critical mass. And then they push for Sharia law, which is Muslim theological law functioning as civil law. But again, they will not push for that until they have critical mass. Hence why I'm not ashamed to say that they will kiss your hand till they can cut it off, because it's directly from Muhammad and the Quran, albeit in different words. In fact, there's an Arabic word called takiyah, meaning it's okay to lie. But let's back up a second. How many Muslims really want Sharia law in their respective countries? The answer is most of them. The Washington Post asked many Muslims in many different countries where they were both the minority and the majority if they wanted Sharia law as their civil law. And I'm going to read just randomly a few different answers from these different countries. Again, this is Washpo asking for support for Sharia, percentage of Muslims who favor making Sharia law the official law in their country. In Russia, 42% of Muslims want Sharia law, Muslim law from the Quran, to be their civil law. Kazakhstan, 35%. Let's look at Southeast Asia. Malaysia, 86% of the Muslims there want Sharia law. How about Indonesia? I believe that's the largest Muslim country in the world, 72%. Afghanistan, 99%. Iraq, 91%. Nigeria, 71%. So that means 71% of the Muslims in Nigeria want the Quran law to be the law of the land. This should explain to you why so many Christians in Nigeria are being slaughtered by Muslims these days 
And of course, why the media says nothing. Why? Because the media is also on Satan's side. The Western media is on Satan's side, and so is Sharia law. But individual Muslims at extraordinary rates are becoming Christian, are becoming Catholic. And we glorify God for this because this is the number one way God is glorified in this section on the Catechism today. So finally, to summarize, one of the top three things that will glorify God the most is the salvation of souls, and that is why we are begging here that God make holy this planet. Because even though God cannot in himself be any more holy in substance, he is robbed of what I call accidental glory, opposite of substance, substance accident, accidental glory whenever someone does not go to heaven. So we pray, hallowed be thy name, that those who are against God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now turn towards him, and then all the world will glorify him even more. So every time we pray the Our Father, at the beginning of it, the number one petition, which comes behind adoration, but I think this is tied into Hallowed Be Thy Name, the number one petition that we should be thinking of, amazingly, according to Pope St. Pius X, is this, quote, that infidels may come to the knowledge of the Lord God, that heretics may recognize their errors, that schismatics may return to the unity of the church, that sinners may repent, and that the just may persevere in well-doing. God's name cannot become objectively more holy, but subjectively more holy in our hearts when more souls are saved by coming to the saving waters of baptism. And please say an Our Father for me, et benedictio Dei omnipotentis, Patris et Fidi, et Spiritus Sancti, descendit super vos et mani et semper. Amen.